You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am John. And tonight we're going to be looking at two more episodes of uh, Galactica 1980, a.k.a. Battlestar Galactica Season 2. Uh, this is episodes 7 and 8, and that's part 1 and 2 of The Night the Cylons Landed. Although we're going we're gonna to look at these independently of one another. Episode 1, Synopsis. A routine Viper patrol encounters an unusual Cylon vehicle, but their communications are jammed before they can warn the fleet. Aboard the Cylon ship, in addition to the typical free Centurions, are also two new model Cylons named Andromus and Andromedus. These Cylons look exactly like humans, a radical new design for the Cylons, which will no doubt give them some enormous advantage in their single-minded pathetic pursuit of the final dregs of humanity. Although, honestly, I cannot see how. Unable to destroy the Cylon with their weapons, the Viper rams the Cylon, causing it to somehow be drawn inexorably towards Earth, a planet nowhere near them? Largely unaware of what's happening, the Galactica is able to determine that a ship, which they think is the Patrol Viper, is going to crash on Earth. Troy and Dylan are sent to recover it. Earth's primitive tracking technology is no slouch either, and they detect and plot the course of the incoming craft. It's heading for New York, and so is Colonel Briggs, generic replacement for Colonel Seidel. Troy and Dylan, however, were at the Griffith Park Observatory in California, giving the Galactican kids the opportunity to be obnoxious. Jamie, saddled with the kids again, warns off Troy and Dylan from flying their Viper to New York because, you know, every time they do fly, Earth's primitive tracking technology picks them up. They'll have to fly to New York via a domestic air carrier. Just their luck, and ours, they happen to be on a flight that's hijacked to Cuba. Do you, do you remember when people used to hijack planes to get somewhere instead of just to <laughs> slaughter people? I miss the old days. Yeah. Luckily, the insipid duo thwarts the hijacking with their plastic space guns. They're heroes, and the FBI will be waiting for them when they land in New York. That would be problematic if they didn't have invisibility fields. The craft crashes, and all but Andromus and one Centurion are destroyed. They escape the craft and set the self-destruct. Troy and Dylan arrive minutes later and, exploring the craft, realize it's Cylon and also, with horror, discover the dead humanoid Cylon. They escape the exploding ship only to be caught by the police now arriving on the scene. That would be problematic if they didn't have stun guns and a track record of stealing police cars. They pick up a low-power Cylon distress beacon and begin tracking it. Andromus has realized that they have found Earth. If they can find a high-power booster, they can signal the Cylons and wipe out Earth. He can pass as human, but the appearance of a Centurion is another matter. It would be problematic if it didn't just coincidentally happen to be frackin' Halloween. <laughs> They're picked up by Dark Shadow's Angelique the Witch and Knight Rider's Knight Industries 2000, who happen to be heading to a Halloween party at a high-powered radio station. Just the sort of thing two Cylons could use to begin the final annihilation 
the life form known as man. End of part one. I'm just going to start off by saying, when I reached the end of part one, I said uh-huh. to myself, and it's been many years since I've watched this episode, I said, self, that show didn't need to be two parts. Because <laughs> we could have eliminated yeah. a whole lot of nonsense and nothingness in this episode and gotten straight to the Cylon-y bit in the next episode, which you know I'm sure is probably really going to be jam-packed with important action and excitement stuff that needs to be taken care of and and this first part was just kind of yeah <clears throat> so uh what what, uh, what stands out what did you think of this exciting episode to get 19 oh uh, boy uh you know uh m- my memory plays cruel tricks on me and uh i thought this was a lot better as a kid <laughs> when when i, I when i saw it now i i think it must be because there was just like a smattering of a little bit of like sciencey things, like real sciencey things, like the Foucault pendulum showing the progression of the Earth's rotation. And um, let's see, I think it's in uh, the second part where they actually talk about like a little bit of how radio stations are run. But yeah, uh, those things must have had a really, you know, positive impact on me because it, you know, that's must be why <laughs> I thought the, the episode was good. Yeah, yeah. Certainly, now, the, the hijacking stuff is like, oh, great. Yeah, I remember the uh, there was like a Saturday Night Live episode about uh, everybody on the airplane trying to hijack it or something like that. I remember that. And and I do I, remember I don't want to be the news stories about hijackings. You know, it, it some things don't date as well as others. And <laughs> um, so it, it's kind of hard for me to to at, at, in this day and age be a little bit judgmental. But anybody who did not realize that the mother of that baby was a man. Oh, my. Yeah, that too. Um, Boy. How? She was quite Python-esque. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, okay, didn't have a mustache, but I think they might have gone for that. They, yeah, she you had know, and, and not five o'clock shadow. Yeah. I think yeah. they... they they camped that up just to make sure that we understood that they were not who they thought they were. Or we, they uh, were, were trying to pull themselves off as. <laughs> I love the yeah. fact that the day they learn what a hijacking is is on is also the day they get on a plane that is being hijacked. Well, you know, it happens all the time. <laughs> apparently, apparently, yeah. it happens all the time because there's a lot of people who want to go to Cuba, presumably for the good health care. I don't know. No, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, Ah, Lots of fishing, yeah, old cars, and I, I have this feeling that in Galactica we've seen what is tantamount to a hijacking. So, I mean, this should not be that weird of a concept to Troy and Dylan, right? Exactly. I mean, that's Sh- there are going to be factions of people who always want to go places where, you know, either they can't or whatever, and they they do it by arms. You know, yeah. spaceships, same thing. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. <sighs> they probably thought, oh, this is a great way to, to burn off a few minutes of, of bad jokes. Yes. So um, let, let's let's try to, let's take it back a little bit. Let's start with the fundamental premise of this. Let's, let's go back to the fundamental premise of the series or the fundamental premise of what Dr. Z has been warning us about. That the yes. Cylons have 30 years advancements and they're, 
and they're going to wipe them out. We, we saw that in a previous episode. Adama basically said, it's just a matter of time before the Cylons come and wipe us out with their advanced technology. Maybe, maybe not. But here we see their advanced technology. They have a better ship. Uh-huh. Clearly, it's a better ship. Yep. And for some reason, they've invented humanoid Cylons. And I don't want to go anywhere near New Galactica with with the conceptually because I'm sure this is exactly where they got that stupid idea. And <laughs> um, but why? I mean, I I I get that they said in the in the heck I think it was probably in the very pilot of Galactica that the Cylons tried to copy humans, but they're just not as good. They're not as fast. They're not as nimble. They're not as you know functional. And that's why we can always beat them. And okay, they need to make better Cylons, but how is it better to make them look like a human? Why give them hair? Why not make a better Cylon that looks still like a Cylon? I, yeah, I don't they understand. end up looking like uh, was it Lucifer? You know, with yeah. the with pointy, blinky heads. Yeah, yeah. They, they could. I don't understand all sorts that. Of Other than unless maybe... you thought they were going to infiltrate, perhaps. But perhaps these uh, the 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 new, you know, Centurions Mark II weren't programmed with that knowledge that that's why they were created. They just knew that they were the new newest version. They didn't know why they were uh, upgraded or improved upon or whatever. And if they were if they were meant to be infiltration models, why? I mean, first off, where would they be infiltrating? Are they going to get them on board the Galactica? And and. You know, if they can get somebody on board the Galactica, then they can blow the damn thing up. Oh, yeah. Easy. Then, you know, so I, this is not, this makes no sense. And 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 in addition to the human-looking Cylons, why, why do they have such cool helmets? Oh, God. Yeah, those were like, <laughs> oh, wow. Cone Cylons head. cone heads. Yeah. Well, once again, maybe they're supposed to look like Lucifer. We, we built, we built you. In our new improved we design, very aerodynamic. But now you need head protection. Yes, exactly. You need a crash helmet now because your head sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Centurions, yeah, they can be knocked around and you know tumble all over inside the spacecraft. You guys, no, no, you're, you're going to no, get no. dented, gonna... and that's bad. And and they also had the. Uh, he feels pain. Uh-huh. In the end, when he's damaged, he is in pain. Oh. You know, yeah, and then he uh, kind of, which I'm getting ahead of myself there, but just acts stunned. But yeah, yeah, it 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 makes us. I just don't understand why that is the route they would take. You know, the human design is not that fantastic. It's it's a trial and error thing. If you were gonna, if a if a intelligent designer were going to create something, they could do a whole lot better than a human in in every capacity. You know, and. uh, you know, there's lots of little stupid things that we've got that, you know, we, we could do, we could definitely do better if you were designing from the ground up. And this just doesn't make any sense. And and then the other thing, of course, is exactly how many of them can they have? Because they've already exhausted Andromus and Andromedus. I mean, <laughs> what, what, how many other anthropomorphic names... <laughs> Are we going to come up with? Well, you know, there's the second, the third, the fourth, all those. So you know, they can get. A there few are in more fact only it. seven of them, and they just all have the same name. And yeah. there's, there's like, they have different MAC addresses. 
It's yes, uh, yeah. yes. There. <laughs> so, so that was that was bad. I, <laughs> I do appreciate uh, one thing about the Cylons that I've always liked is that they truly aren't actually emotionless. No, no, right? they, they, do, they do. They have some emotions, even the yeah. Centurions, because yeah, you know they they're, they've done some smack talk to Baltar, and they've they've exchanged a few glances like they did here as when they read out you know the survivability of the centurions was zero basically and they all just sort of looked at each other like like ah crap (laughs) yeah if they if if i had thought that they could get away with doing scooby-doo in this show i would have expected them to go (laughs) but good thing they backed up before they got on this flight yes yes indeed yes indeed Good. The good part is the kids are only in this episode for a brief amount of time. The bad part is the kids were in this episode. Yeah, they'll come back eventually. That's the that's the problem. I'm, a, I'm afraid that they will. I I want to quote. Uh, I want to quote something out of this show. They're at the they're at the thing, and the the docent is showing them some pictures of stars. And she says, some of the more familiar constellations, such as the Big Dipper. And child one goes, that looks backwards. And Uh child two, uh, that's when you're coming from the other side. It doesn't work like that. Oh, it does not work. They are not holes punched through the firmament that's hanging above one's head. Oh, man. No. I... I'm quoting this, I, th- I believe, from Wikipedia. Wikipedia. From yeah, Wikipedia. Where you smear it on the, the little ceramic head and then it grows the... Growth. Oh, that's Wikipedia. Uh, uh, although from Earth we see the Big Dipper as though it is on a flat plane, each of the stars is actually a different distance from Earth and the asterism lies in three dimensions. The five stars in Ursa Major moving group, Mizar, Merak, Alioth, Megrez and Sakta are all about 80 light years away, varying by only a few light years, with the greatest difference between Mizar at 78 light years and Sakta at 84 light years away. The other two stars, however, are further away. Al-Qaed is 101 light years away, and Dubhi is 124 light years away from Earth. Obviously, you, you would be hard-pressed to find a position where you could be on the other side looking at Earth, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but my gut tells me it's impossible. <laughs> uh, improbable. I think the stars would be, uh, the magnitudes would be vastly different. Magnitudes would be wrong, yeah. Yeah, you could possibly get exactly on the opposite side of that constellation and see it like that, but I doubt that that would happen. I remember this show is supposed to be sort of like in the family time so that you get some educational content. Yes. I really appreciate them screwing kids up forever in their astronomy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with you know, junk like this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. What else was in this episode? We do have a different gen- uh, Colonel, Colonel Briggs. Presumably the actor who played Colonel Seidel just said, I refuse. So I'm not going to do this again. I have a tennis ball commercial I have to do. I can't make it for this. Yeah. 
That's something right. Like no, that. no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've definitely got something. Uh, I got something yeah. going. I, I've got something in the microwave. I have to um, tie my shoes. But oh, it's yeah. microwave. Yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, okay. So they have to fly out to New York because they can't take their Viper because they'd be someone seen, will notice caught. them. Yeah, I mean, if they would just use their invisibility field, this would not be a problem. Yeah. But there yeah. we go. Um, Colonel Briggs heading out to New York because our because after Skylab came down, apparently we upgraded our tracking so that we can find where something's going to hit on the Earth to within Usually a, good a idea. couple miles. Yeah. I don't think we can still do that, can we? Oh, yeah, we can. But there's a lot of variables we, involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't know where a deorbiting satellite's going to go. They have probabilities delay. on where it's going to go sure. because but the atmosphere. Well, it may be hundreds of miles long, but only say five or ten miles wide in certain cases. And okay, that's, that's fine. But they put this three on, miles outside New York. You know, right? <laughs> it, it it all depends on a lot of atmospheric issues. But yeah, yeah, you can and give ideas. Like on yeah. what orbit is going to deorbit? I think that's the biggest one. Is they're not quite sure what orbit is actually going to take the piece of space debris out. So, um, yeah, there's there's that. They get to the sh- they the android uh, the androids the Cylons manage to get out of their ship. They conveniently blow it up with a self destruct mechanism that not only completely wipes it out, so that there is absolutely no Cylon technology left on Earth for anyone to accidentally discover and cause problems. Oh None yeah, whatsoever, that because Whoa. that's very important that we leave no Cylon okay. technology left no, behind not... on this planet. <laughs> uh, but also gives them enough time for Troy and Dylan to get there after the Cylons have left, get inside, look around, and then escape before it blows up. You gotta love those. Uh, you gotta love those self-destruct mechanisms that are in no particular hurry. Yep. Wow. Well, yeah, you would you'd think they'd want to recover that craft, you know? Oh yeah, that would help definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a. a ship so uh you know and there's still gonna be little bits and pieces of stuff that you know if it's ever analyzed it's gonna be like what is this do you have any more we'd like yeah. to make something out of it yeah so the okay. the plane comes in the, the silent comes down and it crashes and the cops all find out because it's a big fireball and everything right yeah. and when they get to the scene it's blown up it's all gone and they find troy and dylan who are obviously drug smugglers right coming in on an illegal plane because that's where people smuggle drugs through New York like that? Uh, well, you know, if, if your only hammer I mean, are drugs, Canada, then, you know, that's it. They take the guns off of them. They take their little plastic guns off of the cops and they're looking at them and they are, yes, they're stupid looking guns. Don't get me wrong, but they're guns. Yeah. They take guns off of two guys who they think are drug smugglers, and they're looking at it, and they go, "Whoa, is this some sort of cigarette ladder?" Like, oh, yeah. good thing you didn't oh pull the goodness. trigger. He's looking down that barrel. Yeah, and so Troy and Dylan just spin around, grab the guns, and shoot them with them. So incompetent, and you've taken guns away from criminal suspects. I don't think they get out of the station very often. No, steal another cop car, off they go. Meanwhile, the Cylons have come across, they're trying to track a radio transmitter because their little pathetic little handheld unit's not gonna gonna cut it. They gotta broadcast the location of Earth to the Cylon fleet. 
and they're walking down the street and along comes Knight Rider. <laughs> William Daniels. William Kit, Daniels. The voice yeah. of Kit. I don't remember what his character's name is. He's a station manager, dude. And yeah. Floor. His wife, um, who uh gosh, I should know. Laura Parker. The yeah, Laura Parker. Name. Yeah. Uh Angelique from Dark Shadows, the witch. Um yep. and I'm quite positive that she is inviting those two guys to an orgy. <laughs> I doesn't it, it feel it like sounds that? like that, but it it clearly wasn't because it was definitely family oriented. It was a radio station party with ad executives and whatnot. Do you just pick up two guys on I know it's on the street and oh we've got to take them to the party and we could have kind of seen this it's like it felt so creepy weird <laughs> to me it especially, was unusual but you know the, the Angelique has this, more she has this incredibly wide eyed look she's got really arresting eyes uh-huh. um freakishly arresting eyes in some cases and so she's so wide eyed during this I know it's it is her partially, but just so wide-eyed and so eager and keen. And, and you know, it's like, this that girl is thirsty. <laughs> she wants to know what's under that silver costume. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's... It, it, uh, and I, I love the fact that her husband, Swingers, obviously. <laughs> I, I think it's her idea, and he just goes along with it because he knows he's... he's, he's hitting way above his uh his weight on this yes, one. Yes, his pay grade, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you know, he's a station manager and he has to put up with certain things. Yeah. Yeah, and the meatballs. And uh yeah. 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 So it's just so that's where the episode ends, basically. Troy and Dylan, I think, are being chased by the cops because they stole on a police car. Mm-hmm. Again. And uh, they're getting so, good at it now. They're getting good at it. And they're not to turn the lights off and on. Yes, they are getting better. Uh, and and at one point, Troy used some sort of Earth expression, naturally, because it confused Adamo. That might be in part two, and I don't remember what the expression was. But uh, yeah, I, I was I was like, wow, they're going native. <laughs> Anything else on on part one uh, per uh, se? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so let's take a look at part two. The night the Cylons landed. The exciting conclusion of the nights. The night the Cylons landed. But first, here's five minutes of uh, previous episode. Because this was not enough show for a two-part episode. Yeah. But we had to trot the Cylons out, so we desperately... This is a ratings grab, I feel like. It's like, well, let's get the Cylons in the show. That'll, that'll make people want to watch. All right. Episode synopsis. The tepid duo are being chased by the police in their stolen police car. Then they run out of road at the docks. They ditch the car in the water and swim off, despite cops being on the scene. And no, they didn't use their invisibility field. (laughs) The two Cylons have been escorted to a Halloween party largely populated by the employees and families of a local radio station. Here, they hope to meet Wolfman Jack and hijack his radio station. Now known as Andy and Centuri, they mingle yeah. like old pros. The cops chase Troy and Dylan again, so they slip into a kid's stage show, steal some costumes, and put on a dance number before the cops arrive. 
This would be problematic if they didn't have invisibility fields, which they can use on stage in front of a live audience while carrying another performer. Wolfman Jack arrives at the party and has a conversation with Andy. He talks about radio transmissions and, in an obviously key point, explains how solar waves can interrupt radio transmissions. <laughs> you have no doubt identified this conversation about solar waves to be Chekhov's gun in the room. And if so, you would be completely wrong, for it plays no further part in this drama. Next, Troy and Dylan get mugged in Central Park. This would be problematic if they didn't have the ability to jump 20 feet into the air and into the trees. Back at the party, the station manager is getting nervous. Those two stray random hitchhikers they picked up and invited into someone's home are asking a lot of questions about the security of their radio station. Maybe it's time to ask them to leave. Just then, Centuri enters the kitchen and is incapacitated by the microwave oven. Hooray! Earth never need fear the Cylons again. We have invented the ultimate anti-Cylon weapon, and every home in America has got one. If only the people of the 12 colonies had invented microwave ovens, the Cylons would have been wiped out centuries ago. The victory is short-lived, though. Andy comes in, and like the villain he is, he slays the valiant microwave, and Centauri recovers. A fire breaks out, and they must evacuate the building just as Troy and Dylan arrive. Andy and Centauri take Wolfman Jack to the radio station, while Troy runs into the burning apartment to rescue a child and his dog. Oh, and Colonel Briggs is in New York City working with the NYPD to, to locate Troy and Dylan. At the station, the Cylons decide to use the Federal Emergency Broadcast System to transmit their signal into space. For some reason, the equipment is on the roof and uses a tiny little three-foot transmitter dish. <laughs> While Andy tries to realign the dish to point towards the space, Troy and Dylan have to climb 40 floors in an elevator shaft. This would be problematic if they weren't able to jump a floor at a time and have perfect aim and balance to allow them to land exactly on strangely incongruous girders in the elevator shaft. <laughs> they reach the roof, have a gunfight with the Cylons, and, instead of killing the Cylons, Centuri commits murder-suicide. The cops and Colonel Briggs have arrived and Troy and Dylan are trapped on the roof. You know where this is going. This would be problematic if they didn't have invisibility fields. Once again, the day is saved by the tepid duo. Okay. <laughs> it didn't get any better in part two. Nope. Nope, just a, a swift slide downhill. I I really, I really am shocked and surprised, and, and I have some theories about that whole solar wave nonsense. <laughs> uh, I think... Yeah. That... That when later in the episode, uh, Dr. Z says to Adama, you're going to need to jam all signals coming from Earth. And Adama says, but if we do that, the Cylons will know that we're doing something and then they'll come to investigate. That is the moment Dr. Z should have said, we'll make it look like solar wave. That would have worked better, right? yeah. Yeah, and so they yeah. will be suspicious because it's natural radio interference. But no, there, there's nothing. There's, there's nothing that Troy and Dylan do to use solar wave to stop the Cylons <laughs> from communicating nothing. It's just like... Well, well, I think he's... Wolfman Jack is referring to a, a, a CME, a coronal mass ejection, which will cause yeah. all sorts of 
havoc with the radio bands. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I I wasn't. I'm not mocking it because it's not technically accurate, except for the naming convention. But uh, it's just it's like okay, why did we introduce this? Into, I is this, think is this supposed to be our science for the kids? Yeah, exactly. I think somebody read it on in a a, a magazine. Uh, while they're on an airplane trip between New York and LA and thought, oh, I'm going to use this. Yeah. There you go. That's it. Yeah. Um, if that was supposed to be our science bit for this episode, it failed miserably. Just kind of like the, the, uh, constellation thing did in the last one. But I I think the sciencey thing was, uh, showing how, uh, automated stations work. (laughs) Yeah. That was a lot better. Now, yeah, I, I I agree. That was a lot better. It's like just thinking, but 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 I have a note on this one. Mm-hmm. What is Andromus's response? Or let's call him Andy because that's his name in the second episode. You're right, Andy. Andy. Yeah. What's his response? He says something to the effect of, "It's good that you humans have come to realize that you are inferior and subservient to your machine masters," or something like that. Yeah, something right? that, that effect, the coming yeah. the coming of your subjugation by the machine, not annihilation, not we're going to wipe you out, right? You're going to become the servants of the machines. That's not what the Cylons do. Well, it's been 30 years and they have made Cylons looking like humans. So, you know, maybe they've, you know, changed their tune a little bit. Well, okay. So we do know that the Cylons, um, from the original series, that the Mm -hmm. Cylons would enslave other races. Yes. And that the humans fought against that. And that's why, you know, we will never stand for slavery. Therefore, this where, you know, our our values are inimically opposed to theirs. And that's why they want to exterminate us. It's not that they want to, you know, they want to subjugate everybody else. But humans, they want to wipe out because they won't be subjugated. And I'm pretty sure you could find some humans that would rather be slaves than be killed. For sure. But it's like, you guys don't even understand what the Cylons are all about here. Yep. And I I, I hate the fact that these guys are super-powered. That's, yeah. And uh, the, the jumping up the elevator shaft. <laughs> How? How? You, you couldn't. <laughs> you know, they're obviously jumping backwards. They're doing the bionic woman jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to even grace it with a $6 million man jump. They're doing the bionic woman jump there. <laughs> and uh, largely... Largely because they have tails. They are wearing white sequiny <laughs> tuxedos, which they stole as being incongruous clothes. And when they jump, their tails flap upwards ahead of them, just like Jamie's hair. <laughs> because it's reversed. Idiot. But, you know, they are jumping up and landing on their feet on a girder. Nobody would do that. Anybody jumping up to a girder would try to grab it with their hands. Right, they would. Yeah. They would not. Yeah, I, w- I would jump agree with that. Yeah, yes, uh, it might be more painful, but that's what your arms are for, not for I'm going to jump up there and land precariously on my feet. <laughs> yeah, know? especially in the dark and in an uh, elevator shaft. In right, in very uh, cramped spaces, a very I, spaciously yeah. cramped space. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, and once again, this was part of the script that somebody thought, yeah, okay, just do it. Don't even think about it. Just shoot it. We got to know how this is going to work. That's done. Don't think about it. Just do it. No, they need to get up there. Can't eat, take, can't take the elevator or the stairs. Let them jump. Got it. Yeah. Just don't look down. <laughs> it's like, what would happen to them if they fell? 
Is 40 floors enough to kill them with their super gravity power? I probably. But, uh, I probably had it mess them up pretty good. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we have? Um, these two guys are like all over the wire services from, from uh -huh. you know, Colonel Seidel's day and all the stuff, the terrorism threats in Los Angeles. So they're still wanted. And everywhere they go, somebody is on them. It's like you'd think they couldn't get away with it in Los Angeles either. But like premise of this is just so problematic that they just really screwed this up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's if just, they would this take... This is not a good TV series. Um, if if somebody were to come in and, uh, you know, having seen episodes of this and, you know, read the scripts and and, and thought, okay, I'm going to make a, a decent episode, very quickly they would have realized that they have... The series has been written into a corner where it'd be incredibly difficult to get out of it. In fact, I think that you would just go fight for a soap opera. You just give it up. It's like, nope, not doing this. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah, <clears throat> they've 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 put themselves in such a horrible corner. These guys are wanted, but they can't go anywhere. It's not like they can travel around the country like the Fugitive or the Incredible Hulk. Well, they could. And they all they do is they just not hop with into the their Viper. They just hop into their Viper and turn the invisibility on. Oh wait. Yep. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, no, yeah. and not with the kids. And not with the kids. The kids have written them into a corner. Jamie has written them into a corner. That's it. Having Jamie there. Because um, they've got to keep coming back to give her something. To, it just, yeah. It's really, it's really awful. It's really not a good show. And I think you could do a, I think you could do a show. You could have done a Galactica. None of the ideas we've heard, the time traveling or any of that stuff. But you could have done Galactica comes to Earth and they, trying to save the day somehow but yeah that would be yeah well yeah if if it would not be this had, show no no and you know in, in all the issues that they had with the show gotta make it you know educational and blah 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 it really there was no no chance yeah no chance <laughs> we're talking about it like this is the last episode there are two more there are two more. <laughs> so uh, one thing that surprised the heck out of me was when they were in two things, but one of them was when they were in the radio station, the uh -huh. music they were playing yes. was real top 40 hit music. Yeah. Not covers, not, you know, generic screechy noises to pretend like it's a, a rock and roll station. So that was legit. Legit music. I think there was some Billy Joel on there at one point. Yeah, not Billy taken. Joel and uh, Linda Ronstadt. Yeah. Yeah, it was that one too. Um, yeah. uh, they must have gotten a little bit of rights on, from those or, you know, I don't know how they would secure those. But yeah, yeah that seems like a, a an unusual uh, thing to make a purchase of on the show. Yeah. And then the other thing that was really bizarre was the kids' stage show had... Scooby-Doo, Hong oh, Kong yeah. Fui, and Ma and Pa, I want to say Brug, but they're oh, the Hillbilly boy. Bears. Yeah, I don't. I kind of remember those. I don't remember their names, though. They're, they're definitely Ma and Pa. I can't remember the family name. I want to say it's Frug. It's, it's something like that. Frug, Varg, Bog. Those might have been um, um, characters owned by whatever the corporation was that put the show out. Oh, they're all Hanna-Barbera. 
So the, the, all three of those were Hanna-Barbera. This is Universal. Universal, okay. I didn't think Universal owned Hanna-Barbera, but you know nowadays, I think Warner owns it. I'm sure Warner owns it now. Warner Animation has, has purchased out and closed out Hanna-Barbera, but I don't think yeah, at man. the time, I think they were still independent. Just it's just the bizarre thing to have in the show. Is that yeah. what people do in New York City on Halloween Eve in the 1970s? You go to a, a show that has Scooby-Doo, Hong Kong Fooey, and and the and the obscure Hillbilly Bears, which was like <laughs> part of the I don't know, was it the Adam Ant show or something like that? I don't remember that long ago. But I mean a very obscure Hanna Barbera cartoon in the 70s even and and then followed up by a white tuxedo dancing number with a woman singing good ship lollipop <laughs> it's like this is what kids want to see i don't think so yeah i don't know that's uh that's a weird one i think the play was called like kids about the town or something like that something like that yeah it's a show yeah, yeah. it had some which they were just able to walk in on the back door. So that's all fine. Um, But uh, the other thing that that really disturbed me about that, and I know this is, you could say this is nitpicking, but I don't think it is. (laughs) Okay. There are things I can nitpick about. And then there are things that just make no sense whatsoever. And here's one of them. They sneak in and they see a huge rack full of costumes. Right. They're all white sequined tuxedos. And they go, yeah. well, it looks to me like they've got one pretty much every size. So let's uh, let's put those on. And they put them on and they go, well, pretty weird, but I guess it's incongruous here on Earth. I mean, how long have you been on Earth? Have you ever seen anybody walking around? Yeah, exactly. In, in white tucks and tails. And, and then they're standing there and the stage manager hands them their hats and their canes and sends them out on stage with the dancers. And the other well, dancers don't uh-huh. seem to notice there's two extra guys, <laughs> right? They notice they're screwing up, but aren't those dance routines usually, I don't know, practice, rehearsed, you know exactly oh, yeah. where your partners. So you throw two extra guys on the stage. They are not going to try to incorporate them because they, they couldn't. And they certainly, certainly would not tell them to pick up the star. Like, oh, yeah. No, they would not have even been close to that. Was not the two guys who knew that they were supposed to pick up the star, the one who's the ones who'd been rehearsing it, did they not know to be in the position to pick up the star? But no, Troy and Dylan do this thing. It's just, it's insulting. Uh-huh. Yeah, you could say that. It's just insulting. Do you think that we're going to have a sequel episode to this one. I'm saying this tongue in cheek. <laughs> in which some evil capitalist exploiter discovers the Cylons at the New York dump and creates some lethal, deadly technology to take over the world. Um, I think that there's probably, that there is a, a high probability that that could happen Simply because finding a very human-looking body in the garbage is something that gets noticed, even in yeah. New York in the 80s. So, yes. Yeah. 
Yes, I think that that would be discovered pretty quickly. You know, uh, I, I could see an episode where the head of the centurion is sitting on a shelf and somebody uh-huh. notices it and makes some inquiries and ends up getting the whole kit and caboodle for 500 bucks or something and, like and, that. And um, yeah, and, and then, you know, hilarity ensues. And they made a, a such a big deal about wiping out the... Yes, all uh, the, the technology. The so there's no mm-hmm. technology. And Troy and Dylan did nothing no. to go after that garbage, which we see picked up. That is the, the one thing that I remember. That actually, there are two things I remember from this episode. Now, I tell a lie. There's probably three things I remember from this episode. One was Wolfman Jack, so who cares? Uh, the second was I remember the first part ending with the Cylon, you know, a freeze frame, but the Cylon... I noise. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah. Uh-huh. And the third thing was I remember them being crushed up in a a garbage truck at the end. And at the time I was thinking, well, there we go. It's all been compacted and destroyed. No one will ever see that. But, you know, now in my age decrepit, I know that there is no doubt somebody at the New York landfill or wherever they're going, the trash processing, whose job it is to literally to <laughs> yeah to literally watch for human bodies yeah coming yeah. out of the dumpsters yep you because betcha. it happens often enough um whether they're in there sleeping or <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately know, or dumped a body and you know, off for you know nefarious purposes of bay mm-hmm. but those guys got found centurion yeah. and andy got found yeah <laughs> loose ends Loose ends. I am. Oh, the possibilities. What do you make of the ending? The 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 murder suicide. That I. That makes very little sense. But then again, that's kind of par for the course for lots of stuff in this. You know, I will protect you. I'm going to walk off the side of this building holding you. That's how I'm going to protect you. What? You've been doing so so well up to this point, Centurion. Yeah, I. Why the Centurion was are damaged. Uh, yeah, in but the not... crash. And then he not got shot he in his chest. I'm wondering if he was supposed to be, let's let's use insane for want of a better word, that he's just sure. malfunctioning. That he's, but they did not manage to convey that. It, no, no. Right? Well, if he'd been shot in the head. That would then... have made a lot more sense. But they were probably yes. thinking, well, you know, the headshot's not going to look as spectacular and we don't want to mess the helmet up. <laughs> and also, uh, you know, if they had added some sort of uh, speech impediment, like Max Headroom, I, 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 I will protect you. You know, yeah, that would have helped. Then you could say, oh yeah, he's definitely broken. But no, he just goes over and picks up the wounded Andromedus. I will protect you, and then he walks off the edge of the building. Race exactly. falls. Um, I don't know. It's about a hundred floors. No, at it, least was uh, eighty six. Wasn't it thirty six? Wasn't it 36th floor what they couldn't go any higher and then it was 40 more? So, yeah, almost 80 floors Yeah, that he fell. It's right into a dumpster. Oh, yeah. Great aim. Wow. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was fantastic aim. Uh, <laughs> and why is the Federal Emergency Broadcast System equipment in a small junction uh, box I... on top of the roof? That's not how that stuff works, but oh well. Not, not only is that not how it works, but that's exactly 
not where you'd want to put that describes, stuff. What he describes, when he describes it to Andy, and he says, "Oh yeah, that's the emergency broadcast stuff." From that, we broadcast out to seventy thousand other stations all around the country, and or seven thousand or whatever it is that that rebroadcast our message to everyone in the country. Right. Yeah. That is not like having a single broadcaster. Exactly. Yeah. That's not. That's not what the silos actually wanted. Right. And then when they turn the antenna towards space in a very precise direction, uh, which, which, interestingly enough, if a a shielded microwave oven can take out a Centurion Cylon from 10 or 15 feet, you know, that's probably 1,100 watts of energy. The dish he was futzing with, that was a microwave dish. It had a microwave waveguide on the, for the, the feed horn, the, the spill would have that. just toasted it. You know, yep. maybe that's why the, uh, the Cylon picked him up and, and walked off the side of the building. His, his brain had been, literally been scrambled by the, uh, the microwaves coming out of that thing. If only they had bothered to tell us that. In any yeah, way, well, you know, it's, it's using microwaves to get you Emmys. Yeah. It... <laughs> yep. I'm sure that's why they didn't get the Emmys. In contention, yeah. Although, mind you, there probably wasn't any competition, uh, at least at the Hugo's. So, you know, <laughs> maybe they were, they were up for a Hugo that year for best television presentation. Nothing. Do they do Hugo's for TV? I thought uh, that was only for it, sorry. Uh, books. Sorry, what is... Yeah, no. Uh, Would have been an Emmy. Babylon 5? No, no, no. Babylon 5 won a, a Hugo, yeah. Best uh, best television presentation, science fiction. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, so, but but yeah, I, uh, that's I a doubt resounding this would have won out no. Of <laughs> no, yeah, that, I think no. no. They, I don't even think this would have been, you know, uh, there for consideration. <laughs> you, you know, you're you're not going to get a, a a big old box of two umatic tapes in it, uh, so you can watch this episode to perhaps pass judgment on it. <laughs> yeah. Also, she's pointing it into space. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh huh. Isn't the Earth rotating? Sure. So and and, and let's not forget that. This that <clears throat> and let's not forget that the uh, the radio waves are going to travel at the speed of light. And how far away is the Cylon controlled star of Belcom? Light years, correct? Light years, long, long way. Yeah. So there'd be plenty of time. You could literally. Literally, get into a Viper, fly ahead of the radio waves that are emanating from the planet, yeah, and deflect and them somehow. Yeah. 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 It, assuming it was going in the right direction. Oh, yeah, of course. Which, you know, Adama well, said it was is pointed towards the star Balcom. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I guess there was some noise coming out of it, but it would have been, yeah, I don't know. And then Dr. Well, Z says, broadcasting. well, we should make a bunch of noise too to make it, you know, to, to confuse them. It's like, uh, yeah. why don't you just light yourselves on fire too? <laughs> I mean, if you want to, you know, be a target, go for it. Yeah. It, um, I think yeah. Doc, at this point, Dr. Z is working for the Cylons. <laughs> because think about it. He's not really done a good job. Yes. An, an adolescent... Uh, what did Xavier call him? Uh, anyway, 
Yeah, I forget. Yeah, um, it, it yeah. Was, it was appropriate, but it was appropriate. Um, the other thing is, so the Cylons monitor in the first episode. So I'm switching back here a little bit. In the okay. first episode, they monitor uh, our transmissions as they're approaching Earth, and they see Abbott and Costello on Mars. Is yeah, that the I one? Believe we were that's watching? what it was. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely Abbott and Costello. They were in spaces. I'm just not sure that that's the name of the movie. So, is that the one with the flying tank, the, the flying submarine? So I don't remember. I think you're confusing that with the Gamera Three Stooges. Film, but I, I don't know. <laughs> that, I could be confusing it with a Three Stooges film. It's possible. Uh, um, they just had Abbott and Costello running around with the helmets off and the and the those Corgi space suits. Yes. Like, okay, again, an odd. That's probably Universal. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Um, easy. Easy. Universal monster films. Yeah. 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 Easy. That's and, that's a back catalog. And then in the first episode, also in the first episode, when they're at the observatory, which apparently has a movie theater, where they were showing This Island Earth. <laughs> yeah. A classic, by the way. A classic. And uh, one we will do on this show someday. Um, well, and they're cool. talking about how they look like the Gorkon. I think yes. it is. Planet Gorkon. That's right. I forgot about Planet that. Gorkon. <laughs> and they're rooting for the monster. Yes, of course. And why are they rooting for the monster? <laughs> they're probably really nice creatures. You know, the Gorkons, known for their hospitality. They should have stayed there. Yeah. Then they should have yeah. stayed there and stood against the Cylons. Instead of <laughs> instead of going through the Gorkon system, bringing the Cylons along behind them, and they go, hey, another race we can enslave. Yeah, well... Or they're too strong to enslave, in which case they should have stayed there. Um, uh, the Gork. Anything else? I was amused by the, the radio station's call letters, WQSL. That's a, a QSL is a, a ham radio term, meaning have you, or can you acknowledge the receipt of my message? <laughs> Do you think that's intel, uh, intentional? Oh, yeah, that was definitely an inside joke. Uh, there is a real WQSL, but it's a uh, radio station in North Carolina. As far and as I can tell, was it was never one in 1980. Um, I don't they know. Did, they did uh, change their call letters. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't found anything that says that, that they were ever in New York. So I kind of doubt that it was a real station. Well, I'm thinking it wasn't a real station at the time they filmed this, that they would have picked fake call letters, which then subsequently became... Because I find it hard to believe that anybody on the writing staff of of Battlestar Galactica season two has any technical knowledge of ham radio <laughs> or indeed I any know, topic whatsoever. I, I find that uh, amusing as well and highly improbable, but ham radio has been around for a long time. So <laughs> pre-internet. Oh yeah, definitely pre-internet. Yes. It's where the, it's where the nerds hung out before the internet and uh, oh, yeah, yeah. In a big way. They still do. <laughs> oh man! It's all the ones that didn't jump ship yet. Um, no, no, they're incorporating the internet into ham radio. <laughs> what have we got? I don't think we've got anything else. Uh, I guess we should mention the stupid buggers. Oh, I, oh, I was hoping we would not. You, you know, Imagine just this. mentioning the jumping up in the trees and stuff was enough. <clears throat> yes, but yeah, yeah. And then they try to mug the Cylons later on, too. It must be the junk food I've been eating. It's messing. It's affecting my head. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That one. Yep. Well, back in the 80s, they thought junk food was bad for you. 
Really? Now yeah. It's yeah. Firmly part they of the food they pyramid. They didn't. They didn't understand that food is food. <laughs> it's yeah, like it's all bad for you. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It's all bad for you. Uh, okay. Oh yeah. Why did <clears throat> there's two scenes that confuse me? Only two. Uh, the kitchen's Good. on fire. <laughs> yes, kitchen's on the fire. Kitchen's on yes. fire. And uh, we've got to get out of here. And everyone's starting to leave. And Andy turns to Wolfman Jack and says, we'll go this way. And Wolfman Jack kind of pauses for a moment. And then he goes along. Mind control? Yes. Um, I think the uh, uh, Andy had said to Centurion that there was a a, a back way out, you know, a, a way out of the uh, the apartment through the kitchen, uh, back of the kitchen. And sure, but how did he get Jack there, to go along with that? Um, I believe that uh, Andy can invoke the mystic music, which means there's, uh, you know, uh, uh, strange psychic uh, shenanigans about to occur <laughs> or superhuman strength and um, can have some sort of uh, uh, persuasion or uh, some sort of effect like that on humans. Because he did it to the taxi driver when the taxi driver wanted five bucks. And he just looked at him, and then the taxi driver says, oh, I think he might have had a line. I forget what it was. He left. He did. He said, that will be all. Yeah, that will be all. That's right. That will be all. And the taxi driver's drawer. Yes. And and that was where I was getting at. But but here's the thing. We have no established fact that Cylons have psychic powers. For one, and there's no yep. mention of the psychics. Uh, we, I got to try my new human mind bending trick, and it works. Ah, well, it's because you had the. Well, they just were trying to use the the mystic music to uh, but to key in that something weird was happening. Wayne. Every other time that uh-huh. he wanted Wolfman Jack to do something, <laughs> what did he do? He had Centauri threaten him. Yes. So it's like if you have the ability to make him do what you want, and you use that the first time. Why don't you use it the other times? And then, so I'm like, okay, my imagination, he didn't do that. But then we get to the taxi driver and he says, that will be all. And the taxi driver doesn't like go, okay, dude, don't shoot me or anything like that. He just, you know, drives off like he's in a hypnotic state. It didn't make any sense. And that Cylon did not have a gun on him. Poorly executed. That's all I can say. Centurion Um, was not carrying a gun. Except that he pulled one out and shot with it on the right, rooftop. Right, when it was up on the roof, yeah. But he was not carrying one on a holster as far as I could tell. I, I was yeah. watching him in the in Okay, the apartment. I'll take your he word for it. I'm not going to go back and look at it. <laughs> You're not going to watch it again? No, I'm not. I know that's really shocking because you know, I watched these six or seven times to uh, get all these crucial notes and nuances. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there is a line that cracked me up in this and it's just that it is a line that you know has taken on different significance as time goes on um and that is colonel briggs says to the new york cop chief of police or whatever he is he says i want these two alive and and the cop says we don't shoot people on sight and of course that line's just hilarious (laughs) now because well, yeah. He would have, you know, he would have added the phrase, unless they're black. Well. Those two guys, they're white. We wouldn't shoot them on sight. But it's, you know, the line is, I don't know, is it more tragic or is it funnier? Because the chief is is a black man himself. So I was just all confused by that scene. 
Uh, it was it was just like I didn't know how to process this. I will protect you, and then jumped off a roof. I, right. <laughs> Why is Wolfman Jack one of three people who has the key to that building? Uh, I don't know. Casey has to run in and swap a tape. All all three people were at that party. The station manager, the guy who made the meatballs in the microwave, right, and apparently Wolfman Jack, the DJ, who doesn't work at night in the station because it's all automated. Well, you know, he's a famous guy, and you know, he might have to go in and do work for doing stuff. I can see it. Okay. Nothing else? Nope. Nothing. Okay. Well, <laughs> next time we will only be looking at one episode. Uh, and, and what an episode uh, it is. It, it has the tantalizing, tantalizing name of Space Croppers, which uh, after Spaceball, I will I'm continue to chuckle to at that. <laughs> yeah. John, thank you for suffering through this with me. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm not sure why I keep coming back, but I, I keep coming back. It's the, it, it's the, it's the meatballs. The ca- it's the catered lunches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm, yum. We're like big finish. It's the catered yeah. lunches. It's yeah. Uh, it's wonderful. <laughs> all right. Listeners, <laughs> we hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol or patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at fusionpatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusionpatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. On the next episode of Fusion Patrol, we look at the Space Above and Beyond episode, Mutiny, where, surprise, it's not the 58 who are the mutineers, mostly. And we question who draws up their stupid navigation plans. Come join the conversation.